bigger. Pow! Better! Wham! Marvel Superheroes Advanced Set. If you're game enough. You're no beginner. Blam! You've lived the battles. Crunch! You've conquered the villains. Blast! And now, you demand more. Kapow! And the makers of the Marvel Superheroes game are giving it to you. Advanced Marvel Superheroes. If you're game enough, we're game enough. Everything you need to create a full-scale superhero campaign. New combat options. New equipment. New powers. New magic system. New character generation. And new rules. A new advanced role-playing game with some old friends. And new villains. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am Tim, a.k.a. Time Priest, a.k.a. that guy who sounds like the irredeemable shag. (laughs) That is not dead that can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even random banter may die. Random banter time, buddies. Tell me tales of things you've been doing. I can't place it. How about you, Tim? I I am at a loss. Uh, Cthulhu Mythos, man. Oh, oh man! Replace I random. Repla- replace replace. Ra- that's the most famous uh, uh kind of Cthulhu esque oh. HP Lovecraft line you can get. You replace random banter with death, and you've got the full thing. Oh, I'd, I'd call I'd, it the full Monty, except let's call it the full Innsmouth. We don't want to see the full Monty of Cthulhu. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, that's not dead. No, that's disturbing on a on an epic level. I have to lose some geek points. I, I lose some nerd points here. Uh, I haven't read any Cthulhu. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's some been, of it's great. It's been a long time since I've read Cthulhu, so okay. I... I, I, I I'm out of practice with my Cthulhu. Right. I haven't read any Lovecraft in a while, but uh, yeah, played the role-playing game, done a bunch of the reading. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of the Cthulhu mythos. Feels so. like role-playing nice. games are a theme of the they night. They are a theme for me tonight. But yeah, we, we, are, we, are, we are burying the lead, though. We are burying the lead because your ears are not deceiving you. There is a third gentleman at the table. Mm-hmm. And by table, I mean, you know, internet. <laughs> the internet <laughs> table. Tim we have Pro- a really long table. It we, stretches from here to... 200 yeah. 2500 miles away or something yeah, yeah it's 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 a real long table that fits inside tubes so <laughs> yeah. uh we have the irredeemable tim price mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one of our earliest fans and one of our dearest fans he continually comments on our pages that we put up on the internet he provides us a lot of feedback on uh twitter and he has been one heck of a guy and one of our patreon members mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so tim thank you very much for joining us Oh, I am so pleased to be here. Thank you guys for having me. You know that I've loved the show for uh, almost since it just began. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Power Pack. So. Yeah, basically, I think we published our first one and you were commenting going, big fan. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that just came out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we really, 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 really appreciate it. And I, I forgot to mention too, when I was introducing you, you were our Mephisto in our 
infamous uh, crossover event with the three other podcasts when we did the Mephisto versus uh, series. An so, amazing series if you haven't checked it out. Yes. I'm not going to yes. say what kind of amazing, just <laughs> yes. an amazing series. It, it, that entire joke started off with a, a Twitter feed where it was kind of a dare of chicken. Huh, chicken. Uh, where where <laughs> oh, me no. and a few other people yeah, <laughs> where me and a few other people were like, hey, we should do something with this Mephisto versus series sometime. Who wants to do something with it? Eh, eh. <laughs> Nobody so, <laughs> for good reason. So I started off. I said, "Fine, we're going to do this." And I started assigning roles. And I said, "Who wants to be a part of this?" Tim said, oh, "I'd like to be a part of it, even though I don't have my own podcast." And I said, "Great, you're the voice of Mephisto." I had never heard him talk before, and mm-hmm. he did an awesome job. So yeah, he really did. You really, really, really did. It was, it was very appreciated, and it was like, "Hey, this is great. This totally works." Mephisto thanks you for your gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, Mephisto aside, what is your past and experience with Power Pack, since that's what we're here to talk about? It's kind of interesting, because it also ties into the particular issue we're going to talk about fairly soon, is that during my collecting, which went, which reached its height in the 80s and 90s, uh, in the early 80s when Power Pack was coming along, I'll shamelessly say it, at that, I was a teenager, and if Spider-Man was on the cover, odds are I was <laughs> going to give it a try. Yeah, so, there, brother. yeah, so issue number six of Power Pack, yeah, that was my first issue of Power Pack, because there's Spider-Man, big old on the cover right there. But I picked it up, and I was hooked. I kept buying the issues right after that, and when I had a chance, I would fill in the, the first five issues, and, which of course are glorious, and just yes. been a fan of it all the way through. I kind of faded from it in the in the. 40s of issues somewhere around there but by and large i was just on board with power pack as much as i could and that's you know rereading it with you guys has just you know rekindled all that joy all that fun all that love of those stories that as you guys put it i mean i was as a as i said i was a teenager and um i mean i was reading it through college still in college at that point too where this is a book about kids but it's not a kid's book and right. yep. that's why I loved it and still love it to this day. And that seems like it's it's a common theme through most of the people that do follow the show, is that this is something that people found a long time ago, they found a real love for it, and it really stuck with them, and it really spoke to them on some level. It, it's not a kid's book. It may seem a little simpler than the other cape and tight stories, but at the same time, there's something elemental about it there's something very good about it very simple and it's enjoyable with for those aspects and also we have louise simonson's writing which is just fabulous june brigman's art to start Mm -hmm. off with and then you know Mm -hmm. brent anderson and then uh you know eventually john bogdanoff so all of that just compounds into a Mm -hmm. really good comic book yeah, it surprises me just uh, going through them now how much I had forgotten about them and going, oh, this is really well written. And the art on this is really neat. Oh, these are great characters. But uh, yeah, just when you were talking about, you know, kind of like the style of it, where it's like it's a little bit simpler, it's just, it's a little more innocent. Yes, innocent. Which is, you know, and even their, you know, their big romantic relationships are kind of like, oh, it's a schoolyard relationship where it's like, hey, you're going to help me study. Yeah, I made you <laughs> cookies, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, yeah, draw, you know, putting a heart around your guys' initials, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's just, it's like, 
like it's it's just kind of innocent and pure and it's it's i don't know it's it's heartwarming and uh horrifying all at the same time <laughs> absolutely well as most of the great fairy tales are which is another thing that it kind of plays into and has from the very beginning is that it feels like a, a superhero fairy tale mm-hmm. okay I, I, maybe uh the fantasy coming from mm-hmm. what you pretend on the schoolyard with your your own siblings or with your mm-hmm. friends as you pretend that you have superpowers yeah i can see that i do have a little bit of random banter that i want to touch on real quick and okay. it's just uh, me telling a tale of my physical prowess which obviously is is immense uh so i just i just need people to know how amazing i am the other day uh we're getting ready to go on a car ride so i'm putting my kid into the back seat and it has one of those uh tabs that you pull to kind of tighten down the uh the shoulder straps on her <laughs> so i do that i'm like oh that's loose so i'll uh, i'll tighten it up more so i pull on it real hard and my hand slips and i punch myself right in the face as hard as i've ever been punched before I'm trying, yeah, maybe I shouldn't I'm trying not, about that. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying not to no, laugh. You go ahead laugh. <laughs> no, you no, no, to future self, insert golf clap there. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's she's looking at me with, with terror in her eyes because I'm, I'm, I'm hunched over the car yelling at her head because I'm in so much pain. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've given myself a black eye. <laughs> and then I'm like, that really stung, but I have to calm her down because she's like, ah daddy's yelling at my scalp <laughs> so yeah so just just my my daily brag and on that note <laughs> <laughs> jeff can you please give us the two sentence replay of last issue a double storyline sees power pack invade the avengers mansion in the early morning for an encounter with the avengers while the fantastic four are off in space to question the snarks about the whereabouts of their lost son franklin richards well, the pack encounters Hercules, the Black Knight, and Jarvis in their bell curve of sleepwear, but avoid a fight by waving Franklin at them, and the Fantastic Four question the snarks with Maraud so hard that it takes the appearance of some magic space horses to get the slapping noises to stop and to tell them to go home because that's where their son is at. Now that the everyone meets back up at the end of the issue and makes nice, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Now... The book that we're about to read today has a few themes in it. One of them is chicken. The other one is... Obsession. And another one is... Whack. Tim? (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man? I was going to say guns. And so I'd like to present to you... Guns and Rose. Guns and Rose. Rose Rose Ale. (laughs) Guns and Rose, Rose Ale by Oscar Blues Brewery. I need to point something out about this one. The Guns N' Roses is very much in the style of Guns N' Roses, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just need to point out that this beer has nothing to do with the band. The brewery never asked nor received permission to use the name for their beer. The band has requested a cease and desist, and they have asserted that their name deserves additional legal protection because it is famous. Oscar Blues are contending that they are using the name to identify with the Sharp Rose style ale of the beer. I found a fascinating article on the entire legal issue of this beer. No. <laughs> but it is a has an ABV of 6% on it, which is um, not bad. I thought it'd be fun. No, it's kind of interesting. It's a... Uh, it's a nice looking can. It's kind of basic. It's got little mountains with the sun rays coming up behind it in the background. And, uh, it's got nice printing on it. It's got some story time, which is not story at all. It just says, uh, when in doubt, pinky out, 
Don't Believe the Florist. And my favorite one at the bottom is Crisp AF. So, Crisp Alpha Flight. <laughs> Family friendly to the last. Yep. Yes. yes. So, while, while we're opening this up, Tim, I know that you are not a drinker, but uh, you are going to bring something non-alcoholic to the table. What have you got in front of you? Okay. What I have tonight is a soda that I found at the Kroger the, in the specialty aisle, and its name is Bang. And if you look at the logo, you'll see that it is a lowercase <laughs> b, but it has the sniper sort of sighting on the middle of it, yeah. and it looks like there's a bullseye in the center, kind of half bullseye on there. So, yeah, bang. I, I, I think you might be able to catch on to what the that theme works. is there as well. Yeah. Very <laughs> nice. With no uh, you know prior discussion, we both got some kind of weapon or gun-based beverage to drink for the night so good Absolutely. job sir thank you it says potent brain and body fuel and of course from the flavor that i picked is blue raz because of course blue ba- raspberry is the best flavor i mean come on if you're gonna get a soda <laughs> blue raspberry because i want to be able to taste the blue if nothing else i gotta be able to taste the blue and while you're pouring that jeff and i will describe exactly what we got going on here we have a very pale, well, not, I'm not going to say pale. It's clear. This is so clear. transparent. Yeah, very clear. Yeah. Uh, golden, I would say. Yeah. Golden color. Kind of a it. honey color. A little bit of a foamy head. Very bubbly. Has a uh, generic beer nose to it. Yeah, but it's not very sharp. No, it's it, no. It, it, it's like a flat beer smell. But in a good way. Mm. I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit of that rose kind of smell in there a bit. I am not. It's still kind of like, it's a little bit of a crisp sweet, but it's also a little musty. Yeah, I, I can't pick up any flavors other than kind of. But I'm getting the, the sweetness is really in there. It's not a cloying sweetness. No, it's not like an Angry Orchard, which oh. is really you know really sugary. But it's yeah, it's it's, it's sweeter than your average beer. Yeah, <laughs> sweeter yeah. than your average beer. No, it's not bad. I I kind of like it. It's uh. Hmm. I'll see how it grows on yeah, me. Yeah, it it's pleasant. I'll see what tale time tells. What about you? What is yours taste okay. like? How do you like that blue raspberry? Well, it's got a, it's definitely got the nice raspberry flavor in there. It's got a plenty of sweetness going along. I'm maybe detecting a little bit of artificial sweetener in there, which is not my favorite thing. But it's I, mm-hmm. that might be just the might be just some of the other um, flavorings in there that are mixing up with it. But it's letting me down on the blue side. It is, it is clear all the way through. And it's like, where's my blue? I. That's uh, what I paid. That's what I paid good money yeah. for. That's what I paid good money for. Yeah, so that, it's already it's already down a point on on that right there. I'm sorry. It's just I, if you say blue raspberry, I expect to see some Drano colored juice over here. I mean, come on, <laughs> some Smurf squeezins, and especially mm-hmm. with a can like that where it's it's definitely blue. They're advertising blue on there mm-hmm. and getting something clear. Yeah, no, that's not fun. No, no. I mean, maybe maybe just my vision is bad. Maybe it's that uh, you know you have to you have to be seeing into the dog range in order to see the blue. I don't know, but that's not that's not what I pay. Hold it up to the sky. That's what they're saying. It's like, Drink it oh. outside and hold it to the sky. There we go. Looking looking through it at the blue sky outside. Yeah. Yes, it's blue. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> rainbow. A red car went by and it turned red. <laughs> Beverages in hand. Let's go ahead and look at the opening credits. Jeff, if you please. Power Pack, issue number 29, April 1987. Obsession. Credits. Writer, Louise Simonson. Pencils, John Bogdanov. Inks, Dan Green. Letterers, Joe Rosen and Ken Lopez. Colors, 
Christy Scheel. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. And a thanks to John Figueroa as story consultant and patrolman Joe Brown from Thomaston, Maine for technical advice. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, the oldest power sibling who disintegrates matter and sometimes, sometimes shoots it into energy balls. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, mistress of density, second oldest power sibling, controls her molecular density. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, second youngest power sibling, increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches, and Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak, Youngest power sibling flies very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Guest starring Johnny Rival, Alex's school rival, Johnny, who has the best name in the world. The Hobgoblin, bad guy with a really cool costume, and the mortal foe of Spider-Man, the guy from the movie, and just the bestest superhero ever! Now, before we really dive into this issue, and as we've already alluded to, we're going to start off with a little bit of a content warning. This issue does deal with teenagers who have guns. They have them on schoolyards, they use them in threatening manner towards other kids, and the gun is used in a fight. This issue is the main theme of the story and is treated in an upfront manner, but, you know, use your own discretion in listening. And with that warning in place, we have an opening picture of Johnny Rival pointing a gun directly at the reader, saying that he is going to stop that muty Alex Power once and for all. Hmm. You could almost say that he wants to go out looking for... Revenge! Boy, howdy. Am I glad that I picked this issue to review with you. Johnny is talking to three of his friends. Big question mark? They are three streetwise kids that are really not keen on Johnny Rival's plan, and for some reason, they start singing... Johnny's got a gun His whole world's come undone No dates with Allison What did Alex do? How far were you through? Sweet free pebbles. <laughs> How did I allow another parody singer on my show? The three kids really are not singing. And if they were, it would be more like... John has an obsession. He has a gun in his possession. He's not doing this for fun. He's unbalanced. No sanity. He will just kill Mr. Alex soon. But we get the sense that they do not like guns. They do not think Alex is a mutie, and they do not think Johnny Rival is playing with a full deck of cards. I believe the term they use is that guns are whack. Which I don't understand, since the West Coast Avengers don't appear in this issue at all. Uh, not W-C-A, W-A-C. Oh, I get it. Like how Ben Grimm calls the West Coast Avengers the wackos. Oh, great. You're that guy. Johnny Rival allows himself to be persuaded to not attack Alex with a gun until after he challenges him to a fight at school. You know, if Alex is not too chicken... And if that does not seem reasonable enough, he emphasizes the point by shaking the gun in the face of one of his friends. Hey guys, I think that he is cracking up worse than a bowl full of Rice Krispies. What is it with you and cereal tonight? During this gonna get him dialogue, both Spider-Man and the Hobgoblin are brought up in conversation. Hmm, there is something that you guys like to say in situations like this, right? It's about foreshadowing? You're, You're soaking, soaking in it. it. So, two pages in, and we have a kid with a gun threatening to use it on another kid and waving it in the face of a third kid. Sure glad this is a kid's book. Meanwhile, at the Power Pack's apartment, home of the fighting, lazy Saturday morning cartoons. 
We find three-fourths of the power kids chillaxing, because that's still a word. Julie is reading a book, Katie is watching the Goo Gams cartoon, and Jack is reading a comic book. The Goo Gams are using their mighty platform of cell animation drawing to affect the minds of their captivated audiences by persuading them all to tell the truth. Julie? Yeah? Maybe we ought to tell Mommy and Daddy the truth about our powers and stuff. Gam says... Wimp out. Who cares what some dumb... But before we can find out what Jack thinks is dumb... My guess is everything. Katie's world comes crashing down on her as a special news bulletin interrupts her Gugam show. Boo! This uncool adult who has ruined a five-year-old's one true outlet for happiness yammers on about some bombing or something. Wow. Some bombing. That is pretty whack. What do you want from me? I love the Googams. Well, this bombing is yet another crossover to Wheezy's other book, X-Factor, and it deals with an attack on Jean Grey's sister's house. Wouldn't that be an X-over then? Huh? 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 Hey, Jeff. I am really inexperienced with podcasting, so can you tell me how to turn on the cricket sound effect? Uh, just, just ignore him. It doesn't really help, but it moves the story along. And speaking of which... The kids understand that this person was attacked because she is a mutant supporter. They all get real nervous about what could happen to them, their parents, and their house if they were ever targeted. They all decide that they should tell Alex, who was on the roof. And so, after just worrying about what could happen to them if they are ever seen, they costume on and jump out of the window. Moving past that for now, we switched to Alex on the roof, lifting heavy barrels of roofing compound. Okay, Alex is trying to lift heavy barrels. Well... One barrel, which he has gotten a corner of slightly off the ground. Basically, he's really just trying to blow his knees and back out. Yes. With visions of chucking Johnny Rival dancing in his head, he is trying to make the G-Power come back to him. But why would he want that gravity power? He has always wanted the energy power. Well, you see, he is afraid of the power. Apparently, Katie was right. It is way too powerful. He knows that he can never use it against another human, or he may kill them. Alex is so deep in thought, he gets surprised when his siblings alight on the roof, and he disintegrates the barrel, powering up like Mephisto after stealing a soul. Really? That is the analogy you're going to go with? Sorry. There's no Mystic Mylar bags in this issue, so that's all I got. Katie mocks her older brother for his clumsiness and calls back to how he would always yell at her when she did it. Jack follows that up with some laughing questions about Alex's situation. Hell, you get rid of all that energy. Power bought a pigeon? That is enough to set Alex off. The two sisters get in between the primed and powered up pre-pugilistic power Pac-Man. And while Jack cools down, Alex really loses his composure. Get away from me, Julie. I said lay off. And in a dramatic streetcar named Desire, Stella kind of way, he blasts a powerball into the air. If only he had the kindness of strangers to rely on. But instead, he stomps off while his family gaze up into the slowly drifting cascade of some whack pigeon feathers. Slam! Inside the stairwell, the sulking sad super son sits and stews, suffering the shocking side effects of seriously storming at his stunned siblings seconds ago. Alliteration line achievement unlocked! Yes! The next day at school, on the playground, we see Allison McCourt handing Alex a tin of chocolate chip cookies for helping her study. Aww. Then Johnny Rival comes over looking for a fight, calling him a chicken and a mutie. Next, he pushes Alex, making him drop the cookies. Boo! Seriously? Those were chocolate chip cookies, man! I mean, I can understand if they were a tin of oatmeal raisin, but 
These were sweet, sweet homemade cookies with chips of chocolate. And if they were Toll House cookies, oh. What an evil, vile boy. Alex and Johnny Rival trade insults and shoves, all to the chorus of... Fight! 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 But before the alternating and angry adolescents can trade fists, the fight is literally broken up as the beefy coach named Tony shows up and picks up the two boys by the scruff of the neck. Now how do we know that his name is Tony? Because it's written across his chest, Johnny Cage style. Coach Tony informs the two boys, while maintaining his lateral raise of them, that he shall not stand for these hooligans and their shenanigans that they should cease and desist, or his visage shall become the essence of their nocturnal imaginations. The hilarious part is that even though this guy is seriously intimidating, Alex and Johnny Rival don't even notice that he is holding them back. And they are not only talking smack to each other, they are making plans about where to fight after school, right in front of Tony the teacher. That's great! After school, we catch up with Johnny Rival's buddies. Now let us take a moment and really appreciate these stand-up gentlemen. They know Johnny Rival has a serious hate on for Alex. They know Johnny Rival has a gun. They know that Johnny Rival is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And yet, with all of this information, the best idea they have is to try and find Alex. And since they only really excel in bullying and intimidation, their search methods are pathetic. And their interrogation comes off a little harsh. They find Allison, call her a freak, and back off when she yells at them. They find the rest of the power family, and with the starting line of, Hey kid, where's your brother? They get a total of three cold shoulders and one none of your business. After that, they give up. That's it. Done. No telling adults or the police. Heck, they could have told Allison or the power kids. And then they would have done something. So, good intention, really bad execution. Coach Tony would probably make them do wind sprints until they came up with a better plan. Meanwhile in a CD alley, home of the fighting mysterious parcels. Hey, guess what? In a comic that already has a gun, we now get a drug deal. But it does not include kids, so that is good. It does include our favorite wall crawler. Oh, I loved Wacky Wall Walkers. Did we get some in the box of Apple Jacks? What? No, I'm, I'm talking about Spidey. Sporting the black Spidey costume, old Webhead is taking pictures, following the money trail, hoping it will lead him to Mr. Big. What Spidey does not know is that he is being watched by the Hobgoblin. Uh, the Hooblin? That's when I felt it. The plaintive cry for knowledge. And the call must be answered. It's time for... Tim-splaining! Oh, no. So, who is the Hobgoblin, and what is he doing here? The Hobgoblin first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 238 as a successor of the Green Goblin. First depicted as a shadowy figure who found one of the Goblin's old hideouts, he adapted the costume, weapons, and Goblin formula to give himself the identity of the Hobgoblin. Hobby has been a thorn in Spidey's side ever since. Never captured, his identity a mystery, but hints abounded that he was someone close to Peter Parker. At this time, the Hobgoblin had formed an alliance with a gang boss named The Rose to take over New York's criminal rackets from the Kingpin. This arc was approaching its climax in the Gang War storyline, appearing in the same month as this issue of Power Pack. Plus, we're a mere two months away from learning the Hobgoblin's true identity. And look, I got a beer called Guns and Rose. Ah. Ah. 
That is all well and good, but I was promised a whack teenage boy Donnybrook, and I'm not leaving until I get it. Meanwhile at the fighting grounds... Home of the fighting teenage boys. In a heavily graffiti tunnel in Central Park, we find two chickens. Well, they look like boys, but they are chickens. You can tell that they are by the bow-legged stance, their arms pulled back like wings, chests out, and bumping against each other, their protruding chins, not unlike beaks, so either chickens or maybe kind of like Toucan Sam. And do not forget the bwok sounds that they make when they talk. Here, we will have a listen in. Chicken! Me, chicken! Ha! Every time you open your mouth, you make a huge squawk! Yeah. No way! But I know where you hatched from, out on an egg! That's why your hair sticks up so funny. It's feathers. Chicken feathers. Chicken, chicken, chicken. Just like chickens. The verbal dancing continues until Alex starts to suggest what he would do if he did have super strength. At which point, Johnny Rival pulls out the gun. Now this is not fun anymore. One could even say that it's whack. Alex quickly realizes the situation and calms down. Johnny Rival is ratcheting up his rhetoric, pointing out that this is a real gun that he had found, and he's going to force Alex to admit that he is a mutie. Then he's going to call X-Factor on him, and his entire stinking family. And then, he's going to take all of their lucky charms. Alex is trying to figure out what he should do, and how to get out of this situation without revealing his powers. Johnny Rival is waving the gun in his face, saying that his gang has laughed at him, but he is going to show everyone. And both boys continue to use the word chicken. Alex is thinking that he is a chicken for not using his powers to stop Johnny Rival. And Johnny Rival wants to show everyone that he is not a chicken by shooting Alex? Alex decides to make a move and pushes Johnny Rival's gun away from his body. Blam! This was both a good move and a bad move. One should always force the barrel of a loaded weapon away from your body, which Alex does. But... The resulting gunfire has alerted the other pair of costume characters. Hobgoblin is faster off the mark, using his glider to speed towards the tunnel. Spider-Man has to set up his camera before swinging towards the sound, but he spots Hobgoblin flying into the tunnel and scooping up both boys. <laughs> Spider-Man will fall for this one. Give up stocking drug pushes to save a couple of innocent kids from certain death. It's the Hobgoblin. I seen him in the paper, say? So smash him, Power! Use your muty super strength on him! Yeah. That's what I've been trying to tell you! I haven't got super strength! So, we have seen this scene before. Hoisted by their own petard by a much stronger adult, Alex and Johnny Rival decide to keep on fighting. Isn't that special? Johnny Rival, wanting to prove he is not a chicken, wrestles the gun free, points it at the hobgoblin, and realizes that he cannot fire it. And with a little bit of shaking, the villain causes the gun to fall and it bounces off a roof, discharging around, which almost wings Spider-Man. Real nice, Johnny Rival. I think we are missing the big point here, that Alex and Johnny Rival are still arguing and calling each other chicken. They're doing this while being held up in the air by a costumed freak on a sky glider. Priorities, boys. Priorities. Oh, in their minds, they do have their priorities straight. Really? What's that? Proving which of them is the biggest gallus gallus domesticus. Is, uh... That Latin for chicken? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Old Hobby starts tossing his exploding pumpkins at Spidey and successfully strikes, causing the wall car to tumble down to the unforgiving ground. Alex finds himself in a real pickle. He wants to help defeat this villain, but if he uses his powers in front of Johnny Rival, then what? So, Alex tries something that is a little insane. He reaches down and grabs the Hobgoblin's right foot and kicks his legs forward. 
This frees his body from the hobgoblin's grasp, causes the glider to buck wildly, and sends Johnny Rival hurtling to the ground, and to his eventual death. Way to go, Alex. You just killed somebody, and you are still the bad guy's prisoner. Here he comes to save the day. Spider-Man somehow recovered from the pumpkin pie he took to the body and swings in to save the tumbling teen. After depositing Johnny Rival on solid ground, he starts to ramble away in an amazingly incoherent speech. The Hobgoblin grabbed us, Alex and me. Hey dude, you're wearing your black costume. It's tough, man. Treacherous, you know? Yeah, I thought... That blonde kid is Alex Power? Yeah, you know him? That's fresh. The Hobgoblin, he took us because there's going to be a crack raid with cops. He said he wanted to use us as goats or something and... So that's what he's up to. Hey, wait! Can I have your autograph? Okay, Mr. Rival. A couple of things. One, you are wasting his time. Two, this is not a meet-cute or a convention. So no, you cannot have his autograph. Three, he was setting you up to be sacrificial goats. Four, you do realize that there is someone else that needs to be rescued, right? Five, this is just whack. Six, how does Spider-Man know Alex Power? da 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 hand wave that away. Ignore the man behind the curtain and stop asking you so many questions, kids. Smoke bomb! <coughs> Alex, meanwhile, is actually feeling bad that Johnny Rival might be as dead as Frankenberry. He's also trying to figure out a way to help. His next tactic is to jump on the Freaky Flyer's back pull the hood over his eyes, and secretly disintegrate the strap of his weapon's satchel. Spidey sees the secretive satchel sabotage, successfully sapping the super sicko of a sizable stash of sick stuff. Spidey speedily shoots a sticky string strand at the sorer, slowly and signaling the sadist that something's started. Flip! Old Hobby has a real handle on how his hang glider handles. He has a hint that a hitchhiker is held on. Utilizing the building's landscape, he slams Spidey against a wall. Unfortunately for the villain, Spidey has stuck, not splatted. Splat! Okay, so he splatted a little. Now it looks like a stalemate. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you are, Hobgoblin has a spare pumpkin bomb, and he stuffs it down Alex's back. Oh, that's not very nice. Come on! Stuff! And this is the reason why you should never, ever tuck your shirt in. Why not? Well, if Alex had not had his shirt tucked in, it would have fallen through like a basketball through a net. Plus, it looks whack. But he is not playing basketball. He is playing pumpkin death ball. Same rules, I think. I'm really not a sports guy. Needless to say, this is a bad situation. Luckily, it is Alex in the situation. Really do not like Alex, do you? Well, no. But that's not what I meant. You see, Alex is a bit of a scientist, and he does, uh, from time to time, use his little brain. He knows how Katie and he have used his energy power before. He knows that they can absorb energy through their hands and chests. He focuses on his entire torso and disintegrates his shirt and the bomb. Boom! Actually, no. No boom. This smart play on Alex's part means that there is no longer a bomb to boom, or a shirt for Hobby to hold on to. Alex drops onto the glider and repeats his whack disintegration trip on this contraption. Dump. Now Alex and Hobgoblin are facing off. The orange and blue dude is really not happy with Alex. I mean, that was his favorite glider. Alex, meanwhile, is still wavering on whether he should blast this creep or not. And before Hobgoblin can throw the first punch, Spidey taps him on the shoulder and socks him. Black. And again, the Hobgoblin turns it to his advantage by rolling with the punch and kicking Alex off the rooftop. Spidey dives to the roof edge and does a Gwen Stacy special to Alex's feet, 
Only, he doesn't break Alex's neck. I mean, you know, this wasn't written by Jerry Conway. After pulling up Alex and confirming that the goblin knockoff took a powder while the hero was distracted, the two guys have a talk. Alex is really kicking himself over the entire fiasco. He had so many chances to take out the bad guy, but he was too chicken to use his powers. And his inaction caused Johnny Rival to die. A real whack move. Spidey not only ensures him that Johnny Rival is still alive, but also that he is not a chicken. He tells Alex the story of how the Green Goblin was responsible for the death of Gwen Stacy, and how he wanted to kill him, but he could not. And besides, we still really blame Jerry Conway. Point the wall crawler is making is that showing compassion and trying to find alternatives to killing shows that you are a hero, not a coward. And at that moment, Duke steps onto the roof and states that knowing is half the battle. G.I. No. Later. We see Spidey lowering himself upside down from a tree with Alex on his back, behind Johnny Rival. With the power kid delivered back to terra firma and cop cars heading to the MacGuffin crack bust, Spidey says adios to this story, clocking in triple the amount of panels in this power pack book than his prior appearances. This leaves Johnny Rival and Alex alone. Luckily, Alex was wearing a whack brown sweater vest he took off prior to their fight. Johnny hands it to him and the two start to talk. First... Johnny Rival has mad respect that Alex is stronger than he looks and for not being a mutie. Johnny Rival has also figured out that he could not use the gun against a real villain like the Hobgoblin, so he must be a chicken too. Alex, like a wizened Yoda, brings out the advice Spidey just gave him and drops it on his schoolyard bully. And just like that, with the same speed as a magic spell or turning a doll from evil to nice, Johnny Rival and Alex are friends. Okay. Is it just me, or is this whack? As whack as a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. But not as whack as their closing lines. You know, pal, you may not be a mutie, but you're still weird. Ah, your mother's mustache. That's right, Alex. Your mother's mustache. For closing lines, that's up there with Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Or There's no place like home. No. No, it isn't. No, it is not. Next issue crack up we did it we did it we actually made it through and that means it's time for the power pack packaging yay what's that about rick well that's where we take a look at the cover of the issue and actually you know talk about it and say if it's any good or not and this cover is brought to us by john bogdanov and inker daniel green and uh Is it just me, or does this kind of look familiar? This is almost exactly a panel (laughs) from the middle of the book. The only thing missing is uh, the cityscape behind them, and the only thing that's added is Spider-Man. I think it's a good picture. Oh, it's a great picture. It's really good. And I mean, you know, I I know they don't normally do this, and I'm kind of glad they do, where they they don't normally just drop scenes verbatim onto the the cover. But this tells you what you need to know about this issue. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally does. It has a uh, Johnny and Al- I'm sorry, Johnny Rival yes. and Alex uh, fighting while Johnny has a gun and they've been kidnapped by Hobgoblin. Spider Man's going to come and uh, deal with the situation as well. What do you, what's your thoughts on this cover? Oh, I I do love this cover. It's very exciting, very fun, uh, and just seeing Johnny and Alex yelling at each other there is is. Of course, the central part of the whole story. So it's just hilarious that they're both being drugged by the supervillain at the same time, and more interested in each other than the supervillain yeah. or, or, or Spider-Man behind. Or Spider-Man, yeah. you know. And and note that Spider-Man's here, but at no point do they have any caption balloons or anything up here saying 
guest starring the amazing Spider-Man, like they have in the previous issues of Power Pack that Spider-Man, yep. ha- blinking you miss him, has been in. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, because this time they don't need to, like, you know, they don't need to have that tease because, you know, there he is right there. And also he's actually in the darn book. Yeah, he's not waving mm-hmm. through on a web line. You don't hear thwip. Hi, Alex. Eat broccoli. Thwip. So all in all, I think we can say that this is a good cover. And I think we'll give, be coming back to this picture at some point in time, too. Let's talk about the rest of the book, though. Let's just get this one out of the way right now. How do we think they handled the issue of guns? Now, you know, let's remember that this is 1986, and the prevalence of guns in schools and school shootings was really not an issue. Well, it was an issue back then, but it wasn't as prevalent an issue mm-hmm. or as a as big of an issue it is now. I mean, I think that um, starting in the mid-90s is when we had the Springfield shootings in Oregon, we had the Columbine in, in Colorado, and those were kind of the ones that started to kick things off. Yeah. And then, you know, they became pretty big. How do we feel, feel that they kind of handled this issue? And I mean, this is, they're going to talk a little bit more about this in the next couple issues, but what do you guys think? I thought they handled it really well, actually. And uh, I also, I, I really understand why... In his mind, in Johnny Rival's mind, it was like, this is the good idea to do. Because he's fighting a mutant with super strength. And he's well, like... he thinks. He thinks he is. Yeah, he's not, but he kind of is. Right. But just the aspect that he's like, no, I'm proving this. I'm, you know, I'm going out on the ledge and I'm doing this. And I need a gun to equalize because I can't, you know, compete with a guy with a super strength. I can't compete with a mutant. So I understand why he brought the gun. I also understand why he was kind of like, I can't use this. So. Right. He, he's bringing the gun because he wants to look cool and he wants to act tough. Yeah. But then when, you know, faced with it, you know, can he actually use it? He was going to use I think right. he was going to use it on Alex, honestly. When they were in the tunnel and, he, you know, it's just like, you know, they're kind of doing their, their chicken dance face off. And uh, and Alex is like, you know, if I had super strength, you know what I'd do with it? And that's like, that's Johnny going, I don't need super strength on me right now. I need to pull the gun. It, okay, we're stepping it up. I need to protect right. myself. So, I, yeah. I, I don't think that he would have actually, I think he probably would have gone to the same level as he did with um, Hobgoblin, where he would have been like, I, I want to use this gun on you, but really, I think what they're kind of going with is deep down inside, he may be flawed, but he's not actually evil. It might be. I think it would have depended on uh, Alex's actions. If, if, if you mm-hmm. know, if it, like, you know, the evil mutant started smashing the tunnel and throwing, you know, park benches at him and stuff, he might have been like, ah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of think that he would, but he probably wouldn't. Yeah, Tim, what, what's your thoughts? I think they handled it really well, and, and you both bring up lots of great points and things I was thinking of as well. Especially the fact of it really depended upon how the scene played out. I don't know. You kind of wonder what it played out in Johnny Rival's head. You know, being that, you know, that means we have to figure out what Louis Simonson would have thought of him doing it in a fictional mm-hmm. character's head who is not actually acting out on those things that actually happen. Anyway, that gets complicated. Uh, <laughs> if it was a situation of Alex actually having super strength and attacking him, Johnny would have been in a position of like, say, I'm prepared to defend myself. But. It's hard to say, was he really ready for the fact that, no, this is not someone who's going to actually unleash on you. I don't think he knew right. what, I don't think he was ready for that. I really don't think he was actually ready for that. I think it was the, the threat of it happening made, put Johnny Rival into panic mode, which is why he pulled the gun. Because sure. he, you know, he's like backing away from Alex. He's freaked at that point. But that also mm-hmm. shut Alex down from doing the posturing and everything where he's like, whoa, that can't, that's not real, right? Because this is like crazy. Right. We we, what are you doing? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
above and beyond all, you know, there is the inherent danger that even though he never actually used the gun against either Alex or Hobgoblin, he's waving around the gun. Oh, he put it, it in a lot of people's faces. It could have gone <laughs> off at any point in time. So there's Johnny Rival has not gone through any gun safety courses. He picked this gun off of, of a drug deal gone bad. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I mean, you know, that's the only that that's the one piece that it's like he was massively irresponsible. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you look at the pictures, he is never indexing. He has perpetually got his finger on the trigger, waving yeah. it around. So he's pointing at himself. He's pointing at his friends. He's pointing at Alex. He's he's waving around. Yeah, he is not safe with a firearm. We'll leave the firearm alone, but I want to just, I'm kind of curious here and want to you know weigh some things. Has anybody here ever gotten in a fight when they're in uh, school? Uh, Not really, in all honesty. The closest I've gotten to a fight in school was in high school, and it was uh, just uh, annoying God, just this annoying kid who was just trying to pick a fight with me, just trying, trying, trying. And I, uh, we were, it was at like a spring dance, and I, I picked him up and slammed him up against a wall and just held him there. And it was like, you know, basically saying, "You are being dumb. You should not do this. You are in danger now. You need to stop." <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it kind of became the. It was just the the uh, the only people in the world was me and this guy. Uh-huh. And then you know, it's like when I set him down, kind of walk away, and then I'm just like, oh. There's one of the security guards. There's everybody in the school staring, and then I'm and it's like nobody did anything. You know, it's like right. the security guard just kind of was like huh, okay, and then it was like <laughs> the fight didn't happen. And then uh, the only person that did or said anything was uh, some girl. I couldn't even tell you who it was. I don't even know if I ever saw her before. And she was just like, "What was that about?" I'm like, "This." And she goes, "Can't that kid see you? Doesn't he understand you would destroy him?" I'm like, "I don't know, but it's done now." How about how about you, Tim? I have n- never been in a fight in school, and I was, you know, one of the the small skinny kids in school. So I, I was it was different, definitely different dynamic. I more had a case of the occasional bullying, um, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, the, me too. the cliche things of like give me your money, you know, that that you dealt with and with some kids. I the closest I ever got was maybe one kid who said he had a knife on him and but it was like never really turning into anything he was just doing it he was just saying those things to be intimidating to me and it's like man if whatever your problems are i don't got time for that (laughs) (laughs) and i just i just got out i just got out you know it's like i just got out so thankfully never for me uh how about you rick yeah oh yeah I was in many fights in school i i was the kid who had the temper i was the kid who you know somebody would you know somebody who would push me push me push me i would lose my temper and we get in a fight I, did i ever win a fight i don't believe so did i ever lose a fight oh oh did i lose fights yes 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 um i had moments where um you know, i had the bullies corner me on a on a lot and i found myself on the ground with the bullies punching me and had to get out of that situation um <laughs> I had the one where the bully uh, came up to me in the hallway and he wanted to have a fight with me and I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And that was a time where I didn't lose my temper and I turned around and as I was walking away, the kid punched me in the back of the head. I stumbled a few steps, kept walking forward and I hear this big thunk behind me and found out later on that the ski team, because I was on the ski team at the time, well, a bunch of my friends from the ski team grabbed the guy, threw him up against the locker, had a similar conversation like you had with that guy, explaining to him that it would be in his best interest to go and apologize to me later on. <laughs> and he didn't bother me again. But no, uh, yeah, I, I had many, many, many fights. 
not proud of that, but yeah. No, it was usually with us, like, we would get in each other's faces and like, oh, okay, I'm going to meet you at the Thunderdome, which is, you know, big jungle gym at this one school. And, you know, go there and like, yeah, we're going to fight. And next thing I know is I'm on my back and like kids just pummeling on my face. I'm like, okay, why am I doing this again? <laughs> I'm bad at this. <laughs> I need a new hobby. I'm not making good life choices. <laughs> but I'm not All chicken. Right. Um, now, Johnny Rival's friends... They were wearing some of their... They, they were sporting their own colors, you might say. We had one guy there that had the uh, U.S. Marine Corps shirt, but a couple other ones were wearing their PS, you know, school shirts. So there's PS-166, which is another Upper West Side school, and I think the other kid's shirt is misprint. It should be, I think, MS-44, which is another school on the Upper West Side. But I kind of like, once again, the creators putting in some things that are very recognizable for the island and recognizable for what kids would be wearing in New York City, kind of, you know, showing their schools and making it really the real place to live in. What do you think about that, Tim? Oh, yeah, that's one of the th- one of the things that just brings a lot of character to actually Marvel Comics in general is that they always tried to be like just window to the real world as much as possible. And they lots of them did capture the flair of New York City a, a lot, um, Spider-Man and Daredevil books in particular. But doing it for the kids here as well was just uh, just made it always more fun. So I did enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's because a lot of the writers and artists lived in New York, so they got to see it kind of day in, day out. It's like, what's a, an average scene look like in New York? Let me look outside. This. Okay. We did have fun with this issue, though. We, we had fun with the script. Um, We said Johnny Rival kind of a few times in the script, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Yeah. Johnny Rival has an amazing name. That's yeah, why we keep saying his name. We, Johnny we, Rival. We, we Johnny also Rival. said whack a number of times, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the comic, they say whack three times. We said whack uh, of an integer much higher than that. <laughs> they stood out a lot. It felt like there was a lot more in the book. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like we can't say Johnny Rival's name without saying all of Johnny Rival's name. Because, yeah. well, it's Johnny Rival. It's Johnny Rival. Johnny Rival. And I, I was just noticing that I had never looked up whack until doing this episode. And since it was always capitalized and, and like you did in the script, I had to go look it up. I was like, oh, so it actually does stand for something? I found one reference to saying that it stands for weird, awkward, and creepy. Really? Uh-huh. I, had, oh, I, I just had thought it was no, whack. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like it should be short for like wacky or wacko. But or wackadoodle. Exactly. So <laughs> If you're cool like me. You know, <laughs> you know it, it probably is. Wackadoodle. I would actually, I would, I would almost say that it probably is a derivative of wacky or wacko. And then they prescribe the initials to it. That, that would be my guess for that backwards guessing on that. I don't know. No, I mean, no, I'd no, have to look up on the no. internet and for that. And that seems like way too much work. Yeah, I was researching other things. I, I, I was too. I, used, I maximized my internet usage for looking at that very thing to get that very that specific definition. That's actually awesome. I'm glad that you uh, spent the time and did that. You did research we didn't do, so that's pretty cool. See, I did my own research because I went on this deep, deep dive to look up my library card. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call a segue. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few original thoughts about what I wanted to do with this issue. And you know, one of my original ideas was going to find a book about school shootings. Uh, specifically around the story of Brenda Spencer and the song I Don't Like Mondays. But uh, as I thought about it, I realized that that uh, probably just wasn't being good taste. So I decided to go like a totally different direction. I did just a random searching of Johnny and Gun. <laughs> I don't know why. I was just doing a random search on the internet and I found a 
novel and a movie called Johnny Got His Gun. And this was an anti-war novel that was written in 1938 by Dalton Trumbo. It's a story about a young American soldier who served in World War I who is severely injured after being caught in the blast of an exploding artillery shell. He's lost his arms, legs, and most of his face. His mind is fine, but he is deaf, dumb, blind, essentially trapped in his own body. This causes the main character to relive his life over and over, injecting fantasy over the reality of his experiences. I went through and I actually read this book, and I watched this movie with my wife, and she was not happy with me with that. Yeah. But. <laughs> because it was such a laugh fest. But the thing was, is that as we started watching the movie, she remembered reading this book when she was a kid. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know... That's my wife. <laughs> there are a lot of interesting themes in this book. All of the narration comes from Joe's third-person inner mind and narrative. And the author uses this device to travel through the only working part of Joe's body, which is his mind. He has to come to terms with what's happening to him, the loss of his body parts, the lack of the ways he can communicate with others. He has to think of ways to distinguish between being awake and dreaming since there's limited external stimulus he can receive. He has time to examine the memories of his life, the choices and the moments that defined him. The question He questions the reason for war and for allowing himself to be drafted. He improves his own senses to determine time, and then finally, language. This is not a happy book. This is, it, it does not end happily. It, it, it's very introspective and it's very depressing, but it's contemplative and it asks questions that, that are really interesting and are not really answered in the book, but they, they put them to you as the reader. Like I said, the movie does a great job of actually translating a lot of the story into visual representation and actually the author was able to be the director of the movie when it was made in 1970 which was kind of cool too really interesting additional trivia about this book that film adaptation that was made in 1971 many scenes from that film were used for the Metallica music video one. In fact, Metallica eventually purchased all the rights to the film so that the music video could be played repeatedly on MTV. And it also kind of caused the film to become a cult classic. So there you go. That is my interesting literary reference for Johnny having a gun on the first page. Johnny got his gun, which has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a very interesting and it's a very strange movie, but it's 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 good. I like never it. seen it, never read it. Yeah. I've seen the one video. I used to be a big fan of Metallica, so But now you know where it comes from. Now I know where now it came from. And, yeah. and you remember that video and those scenes. Oh, big and, time. And that voice, oh, the yeah. voice of the main character, that's from the movie too. That's the main character. That's yeah. uh Timothy Bottoms. That's his that's him saying those lines. That's what I got. What did you search the internet for, Jeff? Well, since a handgun featured heavily in this issue, I originally thought that I would talk about how firearms work and the science behind what makes a bullet so deadly. But then I saw the return of the letters page and a question and answer that were posted there, so I decided to talk about them instead. The question comes from Michael Greisman of Columbia, Maryland, and is as follows. I love the lentil soup episode at the end of the comic. I have one question, though. What the heck are lentils? Carl Potts' response is, Lentils, small flat legumes, good sources of protein, iron and B vitamins, excellent in soups and casseroles, and they sprout well. Carl then follows up with a recipe for... Papa Power's World Class Lentil Soup. 
Rinse lentils. Pre-soak three to four hours. Change water twice. Simmer one hour with onions, garlic, carrots, and potato chunks. Add salt and pepper to taste. Serve with a good crusty bread. Now, you might be asking, why are you giving me a recipe for soup from the letters page? Well, two reasons. First is that Carl Potts answered Michael's question and went to the trouble of giving us Jim Powers' lentil soup recipe. I think that this is amazingly funny and cool of him to do so, and I really wanted to bring notice to it. The second reason is that this is about cooking, and cooking is an amazing blend of both art and science. In fact, it's called the food sciences. I cannot stress this enough. Cooking has every reason to be in Science Corner, and I hope you enjoyed it. So you ran out of time is what you're telling me. No, uh, I actually, <laughs> a little bit, yes. But also, no, it was just the fact that I read the letters page and I'm like, that is absolutely fantastic. It's food science and it fits right in. And it literally, it doesn't tie into this issue, but it does tie into a previous issue. You know what? I think I personally believe that putting somebody on the spot with no preparation whatsoever, they can still provide a better science corner than you. Tim, take it away. Oh, that's good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think instead of doing Science Corner, I'm going to take you to a different part of the school. Over here, it's the math lab. Have you seen the math lab? We have, you know, whiteboards and formulas. Exactly. It's good stuff. So, yeah, this is issue number 29. Now, why is issue number 29 interesting? Well, by a strange coincidence, just a few, couple of weeks ago, I was asked by another podcaster to join him to cover issue number 29 of a comic book that he was reviewing. And that was completely a coincidence. It was not planned at all. But I was thinking, that's important. What is so? And so what else is important about the number 29? So I looked up some things on it. And here's what we got. 29 is the 10th prime number. It's the sum of three consecutive squares. 2 squared plus 3 squared plus 4 squared. Saturn completes its orbit of the sun in 29 years. There's 29 days in February in leap years, which hopefully all of you learned in school. And not necessarily part of math lab, but I got married when I turned 29. So I think those are all important facts about the number 29. With no preparation whatsoever, nothing written down, he could still come up with a better science corner than you. Oh, well, his isn't science, it's math. And also, he said he researched or looked up. So... I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, da, I da, 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 smoke bomb. I, I, smoke bomb. Psh, gone. I didn't No, there was no research over here. What are you talking about, <laughs> you mugs? Nah. <laughs> I, I, I need you all to look over there, look over there, be distracted by, by, by the power thoughts. Let's talk about the final thoughts of this issue. Let's talk about our big giant refrigerator that we're putting all this great art on and let's talk about what piece of art from this book needs to be put on the family refrigerator starting off with our guest tim price okay so starting off backup funny and also just to show that i can't follow the rules uh <laughs> <laughs> my backup funny i start on page eight on the bottom left and i called this one hmm, well i never because we have <laughs> the kids, the power kids are being talked to by Johnny Rival's friends, and they're giving them the cold shoulder. And there's Katie down there with her nose up in the air as high yeah. as it can go as they walk away. And that is just adorable. So I have that, that is that's fantastic. That's a good choice. That's great. I like that one. I like that one a lot. I'm going to go ahead and go next, and I'll go ahead and go flip all the way to page 22 for my backup funny one. And I call this one, It's the Upside Down. And this is the middle of the page, 
on the left-hand side, and it's where Johnny Rival is looking at Alex's shirt, and he's, like, wondering if Alex is okay. And Spider-Man is is doing his I'm upside down, him hanging upside down in a tree, and Alex has got his arms and legs wrapped around Spider-Man, so he's upside down too. Which, first I'm thinking, that is ridiculous. And then I remembered, oh wait, Alex used to have the gravity power and he used to do that all the time, so he's probably like, oh boy, this brings back memories. (laughs) (laughs) But it is still ridiculous. And probably Alex is also going, this is a lot harder than I remember. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Especially, I'm, I'm putting, I'm holding on to Spider-Man with all my weight. <laughs> what, what do you got for a funny backup one? My backup joke one is on page five. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and I call it Pigeon Shoot. It is on the bottom of the page, and this is after uh, Alex's streetcar named Desire screamed to the heavens, lay off, and shot a powerball up to up to the sky. And he's literally stomping off uh, in this in the scene on the right hand side of the panel. And the three other kids are all looking up, aghast, with their eyes wide open as it rains pigeon feathers down from the heavens. It's it's such a great little joke. Yeah, where, where it starts the page fire prior where jack says just you know shoot off a pigeon which is like it's just ridiculous it's he doesn't even mean it i mean jack Jack is just joking yeah and alex did it and And you know that it had to have been completely complete accident yeah that was a complete accident what's your uh, main funny one okay my main funny one is on page 10 and i think it will I almost didn't want to pick it because it's just too. It almost it almost has to. It almost disqualifies because it's too. It's it's almost too obvious. But it's I and I think somebody else said it said the name earlier in the show. It's like I called it chicken dance. I (laughs) called it chicken dance. I called it chicken dance. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Trifecta. Oh, we are sitting pretty at our table filled with the. (laughs) <laughs> we all called it chicken dance. That's awesome. Uh, we all yeah. picked it. We all called it the same thing. That's sweet. We we described it pretty much in the script. Okay. I think I think yes. we're willing yes. to move on on this yep. one. It, yes. We, you want to see it? Check out our website. We will have this picture up there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get into our our good pictures. Even though that's a good that's picture. That's a great picture. What do you got for your backup? Let's go the opposite direction. What do you have for your backup, Jeff? My backup good picture is on page seven. Page seven. And I call it Cookie Crimes. It's in the upper left-hand corner, and it is uh, these these chocolate chip cookies that Allison brought Alex are just, they're having a bad day because they've been dropped on the ground like twice here, basically. And uh, Johnny Rival just pushed Alex down on top of the cookie tin, flying them up into the air even more. Later on, they get the, one of the cookies even gets disintegrated by Alex. So it's, it's just these cookies, it's Cookie Crimes. Bad things are happening to cookies. It's a, it's a good picture. I mean, we no, see- it's great. There's action. There's motion going on. You have the uh, debris flying up of the cookies. And it's a very much a, a very real schoolyard scene. Yeah. You want to say anything about that one, Tim? I, I do like it for that very reason. The, the, the tin is going one way. The lid is going another way. You, you can see Johnny in you know the end of his push motion. Uh, Alex starting to flail down at the bottom. It, yeah, that's a good. it's a good one. I like that. My backup good one is actually I'm going to take page number one. Oh yeah, it's I'm calling yeah. gun. Yeah, and I I, I know the you know, splash page and it's, it's almost an easy gimme, but it's really good. It's Johnny, you you see him holding the gun with two hands, and it's a front on shot. It's a front on picture here, where. 
you can just see the bullets that are in the gun because it's a revolver. You just see Johnny's face, you know, his, his mouth and, and nose are covered behind. You just see his eyes and his brows furrowed. It is a very detailed and kind of scary kind of just opening picture. Especially oh, yeah, the gun is taking up about yeah. a, you know, like you, a quarter You flip over the page, and that's what you see is you see a gun pointed at you. Yep. Oh, yeah. If, if this was an issue of The Punisher, this, you wouldn't even bat an eye at this. But this is Power right. Pack. So yep. it's a very striking image. Right. And this is a kid holding this, too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Okay. What's your backup one? Okay. For my backup, it is on page 16, bottom right. And I call it, hello, my pretty. <laughs> because we have the hobgoblin holding Alex by the scruff of his shirt. Alex has got a half tear going out of one eye because Johnny has just fallen. And the hobgoblin has that toothy, evil grin just right in Alex's face. And uh, it's just, I he's, just he's, love that. He's biting his lips, too. He's, he's got his, mm-hmm. his lips inside... And he's biting down on them. It's mm-hmm. it's it, you know he's holding he's trying to hold it together is what he's doing. That's exactly. a very good and evocative That's a good one. picture. Yeah. yeah, it's got a lot going on with it. It's two portraits, but it's got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. The the whole thing here is that this kind of summarizes where what I thought John Bogdanov did throughout this issue. I think he really wanted to draw Hobgoblin because Hobgoblin. <laughs> Every single scene with Hobgoblin is just expressive. Some of it's almost a slapstick cartoon level of reactions, but I love them. You know, you get more than one yoinks look out of him throughout the (laughs) issue, too. But then when he looks evil, it is just chilling. So... Yeah, this this not he knocked it out of the park with Hobgoblin. So I love that. Yeah. Good choice. Jeff, let's get into our top picture. What do you got? My top picture is on page 13. I call it uh, super villain here. Could you pay attention to me? Because it is, the, it, it, it is basically the redo of the cover page. Yeah, it is a uh, hobgoblin carrying around Alex and uh, Johnny Rival where they're still fighting and flying around. He's like, ha ha ha, I kidnapped you. This will get Spider-Man. See, and I call you're the, the equivalent of hostess fruit pies. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is what I called the picture. <laughs> There's the laughing. There going. you go. Yeah, five ha-has right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you had a different one for your top one, though, right, uh, Yeah, Tim? yeah. But one more comment on, on this page, though, too, is yeah. that it's that since I did qualify as my best in show, it, I, 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 I kind of disqualified it from being the top one just because it was already the cover and because... I almost didn't want to do it because it was almost too obvious to be the top one. I was like, I chafed at that. You know, it's like when it seems like, oh, I just, uh, yeah. It's, but, um, and it's, it's a splash that, page. It's a full yeah, page. It's a yeah. splash page. It's also the mirror image that they use on the cover. That's kind of an interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. Yeah, they just uh, flip the cell, basically. And the title I had for it was, If Only I Had the Boogeyman's Plastic Baggies for These Kids. <laughs> yeah 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 mirror image a couple other accoutrements and uh some coloring choice differences but yeah it's about mm-hmm. the same picture mm-hmm. yeah that almost mm-hmm. is that flipping back and forth that's yeah yeah that is the same that picture might, no it's slightly it's cropped a little di- it's cropped a little different too much and the cape is a little different to make room for the power pack logo on the cover versus the yeah there's you know, this page yeah uh, he he definitely took the took he, the image, he cribbed pretty flip, well, yeah. flipped it over and retraced it. 
Yeah. yeah. Def- that I would say so what, you had a different one, though, right? Yes. Yes, I did one. For number, for my top one, I went to page 18. I actually, it's actually was kind of a tie between the two middle panels. I kind, of, I kind of think they go together. I don't really put them, I put them together. So the middle one's right there. And then I called it Don't Wear Hoodies, because there we have yeah. Alex pushing the hoodie down over the hobgoblin's face, showing that, you know, hoodies next to capes are not the most practical thing when you're going to get into fights, <laughs> because they obstruct your vision from side to side, they can be pulled down over your eyes, and Alex is just pulls the hoodie down, disintegrates the bag, and starts just pounding on the hobgoblin's head, and it, and it is just awesome <laughs> it is pretty great it is good i i alex does two pretty good he does a few pretty good moves up there i mean mm-hmm. his his weird flip move that he did to mm-hmm. put him off balance it was a good move it just wasn't yeah. well thought it out. just didn't quite happen right yeah it didn't quite um, work out and then you know this entire move with the, the disintegration and then punching hobgoblin in the head he's alex is showing that he can still handle himself even yeah. though you he's know, competent yeah even though he's not using his power too much yeah what's what's funny on it to me is the reason that he pulled the hoodie over hobby's head was so that he can't see that he has superpowers sure and within about eight panels he's like i'm glowing and ready to go to town hobgoblin <laughs> <laughs> so, absolutely well it's it's also he kept funny. a secret very shortly <laughs> yeah it's also kind of interesting that when you see alex before even with the g power throwing the fists is not something alex does in previous issues, no, no. this is not what no. he does. He's the he's the smart one who tries to be clever. You would think Jack, right. oh no problem, Jack, no, no problem, yeah. and even Julie, even Julie has laid a, a smackdown now and then. I think the mm-hmm. light speed power helped her with that, but she was, you know, she would mix it up, which was pretty awesome for you know yeah. the the young lady right there. That was pretty great. So, but Alex hasn't really had to get it mix it up like that before. So, like, oh, and he's gonna take on, you know. Spider-Man's arch-villain of the era. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah you you go, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Hobgoblin. He's He was one of my favorites. Let's talk about some childish insults. Rubber glue moment. What do we have as the best or most childish insult? Go ahead, Tim. What do you got? Okay, so my backup is on page three. And you can always count on jack to bring the insults of course right <laughs> yep so yep. and so on the yep. bottom panels and we have what's a firebomb are gonna do dope send us a questionnaire are you really a mutant or do you just look like one get real katie yeah. <laughs> it's fun to do isn't it's it? fun <laughs> it's fun to do I, I think we're gonna have a couple of jacks on here not for me though I, I don't oh. have a jack, actually, neither one of mine. I'm curious as to see if my back one is going to be copied by you guys, because I've got Alex's side on page 10. Page 10, you say? Page 10, I say. Alex and oh Johnny, my. you say. Johnny Rival, you Johnny say. Johnny Rival Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Alex is here where he's saying, no way, but I know where you hatched from out on an egg. That's why your hair sticks up so funny. It's feathers. Chicken feathers. You go, Alex. You go. Yeah. Mine is just everything from Alex going chicken to Johnny going, be chicken. You're the chicken. You make huge squawk. Oh, yeah. You go chicken. Yeah. That entire panel is like, yeah, that's my backup uh, rubber glue moment (laughs) as well. Did you uh, crib anything from those ones or is that too easy for you there, Tim? The... Yeah, the problem was that there was so much chicken being flown around in this whole issue that I, 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 
I actually just sort of said like, no, no, I can't pick a chicken one. It's almost <laughs> it's almost lost its insult effect by this point, unfortunately. But that, that those, those, just, those are easy. still <laughs> those are just still too funny. So tell us then what your top one was. Okay, my top one. It blurs the line between being childish and downright sinister sounding. But we're gonna go to page twenty. You've got my top one. Oh yeah. Yeah. The bottom right. Yep, that's it. Do you want to go ahead and do it, sir? Sure, I'll do it. So we have the hobgoblin saying, "Creepy little mutant brat." Oh. <laughs> it's good. It's yes, it's so it is good. a good. In- I mean, you're right. It's the line between creepy, but it still is an insult. He is yeah. he's going right there with oh, the yeah. creepy little mutant brats. Yeah, that was on we my have list. Four of them right there. Yeah. So no, I that's why I chose that one. What what's your top one? My top one is on page 22, and it's between Johnny Rival and Alex Power. Uh, yeah, it's the bottom right. It's the very last lines. It's, uh, you know, pal, you may not be a mutie, but you're still weird. And Alex's response of, ah, Yamada's mustache. Uh. <laughs> it is, as, all, as we know, that is the common taunt that school children will use. And uh, as a response to a taunt, which is, ah, Yamada's mustache. Uh, How often have we not heard that one that uh, spread about in modern media? And, and where have we come from? We open up this book with Johnny pointing a gun at us saying he's going to kill Alex Power uh. too. They're saying, ah, Yamada's mustache. Yeah, it, now you understand. I, I this book has taken now, some now can turns. you see where Johnny Rival's voice though comes from when that's a common phrase to be used right there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the stupidest thing in the world. But I just I, you got Johnny saying, you know, you're you maybe not very mutant, but you are you're, you're weird. You know, yeah. you're weird is a classic kind of kind of taunt. I've never heard outside of this one instance. I have never heard your mother's mustache ever before, and I'm like, I'm in love with that, and it's so terrible. Yeah. So. <laughs> So that's that's my top pick for a rubber moment. All right, I've got a very interesting and easy question to ask you, gentlemen. Who's the best and worst kid in this issue just focused on Power Pack? <laughs> so Johnny Rival is not a choice. No, he's not a member <laughs> of Power Pack. No. Let's go ahead and just start off with best, because I think we're all going to be agreeing on the best. I'm just kind of curious as we're bringing it to the worst. I'm willing to say Alex is the best in this one. Does Alex everybody agree? Alex is the agree? best in this one, yes. Alex got a split vote for me because I would I actually did have a note that obviously this is Alex's issue. I was going to say that with what little time they had, Katie in her part it's like saying we should tell the truth to our parents that we have powers right. and she and she was one who said, you know, Alex, it's okay not to powerball people. So, right. you know, Katie was, you know, on point for this issue. But oh yeah, no, Alex definitely came through and Yes. I think this is the moment we've been kind of waiting for, or at least I've been waiting for. I don't know about you, Rick, because I feel about Alex. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> for him to actually it's like It's nice learn. to see Alex make some better choices here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, laying a smackdown on the Hobgoblin right there from the from the panels that I picked earlier for the refrigerator arts. Like, I think we're yeah. pretty clear on Alex was was doing awesome this issue. Yes, he was. Yes. I think we can all agree on that. Now, here's the interesting question. Who's the bad kid? I'm willing to say we're all going to pick the same bad kid. Okay. And it's the same kid as the good kid. It's Alex. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I I actually didn't choose that. I actually chose Julie. Really? Yeah. How come? Because she did the absolute least of any of them. Okay. I mean... Yes, you could you could almost say that Jack might be bad because he got he got got an old fight with his brother, but I would almost put that more on Alex. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack yeah, was I'd just being Jack was just being himself, 
And, you know, he, he was only like, yeah, we should go up and tell Alex. Yeah, yeah he, he was the first he one was suggesting it. it. Yeah. For everything that Tim just said about Katie, I was like, yeah, Katie, she, she's involved with this too. Julie was reading a book, and I think she said two or three lines. Yeah, she she very much had a Spider-Man cameo right. in this issue. I wasn't going to go, like, Alex is the best and Alex is the worst. I just said, I kept, I, I actually did the rules right. And I said, Julie was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, rules are for suckers. <laughs> yeah, your mother's mustache. Your my podcast mustache. is my rules. <laughs> did you also split the vote with Alex? Is that where I'm hearing, Tim? I did split the vote with Alex because what does Alex do at the very beginning of the issue? He's trying to take the G power back. Can you spell hypocrite? <laughs> I really he, can't because I'm bad at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. I'll spell. I'll spell it shorter for you. A L E X. He learned the hard way that it's not so easy to powerball people as he thought. And what does he try mm-hmm. to do in typical selfish me 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 fashion? Yeah. He tries yeah. to get rid of the energizer power and take back the power that he had before. Oh, yeah. so nah. No, he yep. the worst, the worst. But yep. he yep, had yep, his yep. redemption through this issue. That that was the whole point. So that's kind yeah, of yeah. I, I call it all the way. You have to be your worst to get that redemption at the end of being the best. So all right, all right, I'll, I'll let you guys do that. Fine, fine, fine. Um, you got nothing really to say here, but G Force. Yep, uh, G Force is where we do the uh, scientific equivalent of uh, how many G's Alex has dropped in this issue. So the G bomber has let us down yet again. So we have zero G's, and that gives us a, a G average of one point zero seven, which is approaching Earth's gravity. And uh, we have a G total of thirty one, which is uh, the surface of the sun has the gravity of twenty eight. So this is three over the sun's gravity. But also, I want to introduce another little important factor, which I'm going to call the chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the number of times that the word chicken was used in this issue. And that's 19. Whoa. Now, the, uh, yeah, 19 <laughs> times the, uh, the uh, chicken word was bandied about, excluding things like eggs and feathers and pigeons and things. Just literally the, word, the use of the word chicken. Uh, so 19 chickens. And I did research the average weight of a chicken. And that is uh, four and a half pounds. So... 19 chickens weighs 85 and a half pounds and the average weight of a 12 year old boy is 88 pounds so they said chicken enough to account for one of them being a chicken hey jeff yeah that's pretty foul (laughs) (laughs) well what do you expect i'm all cooped up here with you (laughs) i think you're just laying eggs yeah your mother's mustache (laughs) this is gonna be my generic i'm i've lost interest in the conversation I, th- I, right. thought, I thought that that was pretty good. I think he was cock of the walk right there. <laughs> you know, I'm just proud that I haven't made a single chicken fighting reference uh, for these two boys. <laughs> you know what? You, know what? You, you guys can crow all you want. All right. <laughs> but uh, I want to move this on to top grades. Okay. You know, let's grade these eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, was it a, I just kind of fell into that one. <laughs> was it a triple A or was it, I don't know how grading works on eggs other than what I just said. We need to look and see where this issue fits on our ever-growing list of all of the stories about Power Pack. We've got Power Pack number 25, which is our first one, and we still have um, Thor 363 as our last, our number 31. So, um, gentlemen, we have a 
Alex-centric episode, so it's not all of Power Pack, but it still is a good Power Pack story, I guess. Yeah. Where do you guys feel like this goes? Uh, I... It's it's a great it's a great story. I just don't think it's one of the best. It's it's not it's definitely not in the top. Okay. It's it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's somewhere in middle. Give it some slop. I don't know where it should go. Kind of thing. It's just I'm like yeah. It's it's okay, but it's not great. I'm kind of looking somewhere in the middle, and we've got homecoming around number eighteen, and this is kind of more of. I mean, they're all in it. It's more of a Julie centric episode. Yeah, but still, everybody everybody's had in their, it. Had their things. I, this uh, homecoming was better. Okay, so let's move on down a little bit here. Uh, let's go down to Wounded Wolf uh, and Kenny X Men number two hundred five, mm-hmm. Katie centric episode. This is number twenty four. Do we say it's better or worse than than uh, Wounded Wolf? That was very much a single character. Very much thing single going character on. with with a non power pack person as one of the major characters as well, like this yeah. one did. Yes, I personally think that Wounded Wolf is better. Yeah, I, I, I love John Bogdanov's art, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're talking art alone, yeah. yeah. The the other one is it's just so messy and, and, and beautiful. And it, yeah. Let's go down a couple more spots here and look at The Breakfast Club. Yeah, so, I was, I'm kind of thinking somewhere around Breakfast Club, probably. I, I like this one more than Breakfast Club. Okay, so we could put it above that. Then uh, what about Reckoning, which uh, is uh, <laughs> Julie trying to run away to Asgard? I think I like this better than that one. Okay, so that brings us up to Monsters, where the kids are captives and break out and save Dragon Man. Yeah, I I would put this above that one too. Okay, I would, so let's, it, let's put this it right is easy below. then. If it's uh, yeah, let's put it better right than below. Monsters, but not as good as Wounded Wolf. The new number twenty five. No, new we, number twenty five. Uh, new number twenty. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, the new number twenty five. What's your thoughts on that, Tim? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm right on board with you. That sounds like a good spot for it. Yeah. Okay. So then we agree. Number twenty five is where we are going to put that. This brings us to our final thoughts on our beverages mm-hmm. not just beer our beverages yes because we have a multitude of bevies so uh tim talk to us about how you enjoyed your little beverage even though it wasn't blue that's <laughs> that is the only problem that i have with it other than that, it was really good it was um just like the nice blue part of a bomb pop right there that's how it was going down uh nice and sweet good little flavor kept on going the carbonation of course stayed nice and fresh in there so uh yeah i i, I liked it i would um could give it a four i could give it a th- it's it's i think it's higher than a three i don't i don't know if cheating is if it's cheating to do three and a half but nope, no we do we do, we do okay. halves here all right all right i would i would give it we're, a three and a half we're not like we're not like a musical genius we, we are like musical yeah. genius joe, joe november. november yeah so what you're saying a three and a half yeah, I'd give this a three and a half, yeah. All right. And what's the name of it one more time? Bang. Blue Raz. Let's talk about Guns N' Rose by Oscar Blues Brewery. Jeff, how have you been enjoying this? Uh, to be honest, I'm finding it to be, eh, it's not really what I'm enjoying. I can taste the rose flavor in it. Uh, I still kind of am getting like a musty rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and then I find, and then as it goes, it's like, oh, I can kind of, t- I'm tasting kind of a rose water flavor staying on my tongue. But I also find it to le- be kind of like very syrupy, like kind of leaving a yeah. syrup layer on my tongue. I drink it again, but I'm not loving it. I'm not, it's not even a fine plus. Uh, it's like a two and a half for me. It's kind of one of those, yeah, yeah, oh, you got one in the fridge, yeah, I can have one again. But it's it's nothing I would go and hunt down again. Yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying about that. I, I think that I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying on that. But for me, those flavors are not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. 
I can agree with it all. It does have that kind of syrupy kind of taste to it. Uh, it's got that musty rose. I'm, I'm definitely getting the rose kind of flavor in there. It's not really bitter. No. So that makes it a little more enjoyable for me. It's got a micro kind of tart to it. Yeah. But I think that and, and, it's... And, like, I, and I like a lot of those more tart type flavors. So I think that's why I'm enjoying it just a little bit more than you. But at the same time, it's it's... It's an interesting curiosity. Yes. I, I think I would call it. Yeah, I think that's probably where I'd land on it myself. Two so and a half. I, I would actually go a little bit higher. I would definitely give this a... Because th- I'm enjoying it just a little bit more than you. But yeah, that, that's where I'm at on it. <laughs> it's an interesting curiosity. And if you guys... Check out the some of the news articles about the legal issues with it. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's a nice looking beverage. And it is clear. Yeah. It is clear and very kind of like a light honey colored. Yeah. It's, it looks nice. It's just kind of eh. Kids Perspective, where we ask a question or premise of the book to Rick's daughter and get her opinion of the book. So, take it away, Carrie and Rick. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you today? Good. Good. What do you think about this book? Um, it has a lot of Alex in it. It's very Alex-centric, isn't it? Yes. What's going on in the book? Well, Johnny Rival, he got a little bit upset. Like, a lot upset about what happened back at Central Park. And so he brought a gun because his neighborhood turned into, like, a war. Okay. He found the gun in his neighborhood because there was a, there was a bunch of people selling drugs and somebody threw away the gun. And he found it. Yeah. And he's gonna... And he's trying to repay Alex. He, he's trying to pay Alex back for... Yeah, what he did. Right. Yeah, but I don't know why, but in the end, they became friends-ish. Yeah. Why do you think that happened? Well, I was thinking probably because um, they started getting worried for each other because they thought the other one died. Why is that? Because um, they both got separated. What was going on? What caused them to get separated? The hobgoblin, um, he dropped um, Johnny, and then Alex started getting worried. And then when they fought, and the, then when um, Alex and the hobgoblin started fighting, um, Johnny started, getting, started thinking that Alex might die. Right. Because he doesn't know that he has powers. Right. And in the end, it, they got along because they realized that Neither one of them was... Dead. Yeah. And, and neither else? one of them was a chicken. There you go. That's the theme. <laughs> chicken. You know what the theme should be called? What? You're a chicken. <laughs> the Is title. it okay for people to call each other chicken? Not really. And if somebody called you a chicken, what would you do? Probably get really upset and try, and you felt like really wanting to punch them. Why? Because you got kind of mad. Yeah, but do you, would that happen to you? Would you do that? No. So what would happen <laughs> if somebody called you a chicken? Um, I would just go with it. You don't care, do you? Yeah, <laughs> I just don't care. That's probably a good attitude to have, Carrie, because you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you. You just have to do good things yourself, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what the, they figured out, too. Otherwise, I would end up in the principal's office. <laughs> do you have any questions? No, but I want to talk about the cover. Okay. Some folks don't get to see this. We described the cover pretty well. What do you think of the cover? I think it suits it very well. Do you recognize that cover from the book? Yes, except for the Spider-Man leaping out. Right. 
There's a little little differences, but it's right out of the book. It's yes. it's a pretty good picture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a pretty good scene to put on the cover. Yeah. Tells you exactly what's in the book there, doesn't it? Yeah. And you know what it also tells you? What? None of the rest of the power pack, just Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much just an Alex book. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Shout out time! We like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. Really? People do that? Wow. These shout outs are from our episode 34, Power Pack number 27. Al Sedano. AJ. Asimov's Fangirl. Averill. Ba. The Blue Leopard. Cho. Chris at Bat Books. Cindy H. Craig McNichol. Cullen Stapleton and the Worst comic podcast ever dan grote david tyner dylan mckeon gary key georgina gibson great tholomew p expectations green lantern hg hoover jeremiah jamie mcgregor jason x 117 jay and miles explain the x-men jeff polier jessica malinosk jeremy daw cat keith baker lar let's talk new warriors limax 7 mark melton who just finished listening to the Thanksgiving issue and got a little choked up with Carrie doing Katie's monologue. His daughters are moving out and it really got to him. Matthew Birdsey. Max Travers. Mitch Gillian. When you come to Portland, Oregon, be sure to check out The Nerd Out, the premier geek bar. Nicholas Comus Reflections Prom. NZ Waffles. Pat Cristato Sampson. Patrick R. Carey. Patrick Renee. Perpetually falling over. Rustin LF. Sam's Tangled Web. My boys at the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Spider-Ed, Far From Home. Steve! Studicris. Talking Julie Power. Time Prince. I mean, Tim Price. Hey, that's me! (laughs) Trent Farrell. Warlock Thanos podcast. And Zach Sally. And we have an iTunes reviews from Saha Devil. These guys put their hearts into this podcast and you can hear it. Is it rehearsed? No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know, but the dialogue and delivery are first class. You'll hear this on NPR soon, probably. Oh, if only we could have their money. Funny, entertaining for all kids, big and small. They're having fun, but the quality speaks for itself. Wonderful. I'm not sure she listened to our show. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm sure she doesn't listen to something else. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Rick Meets the Legion, which you can find at Comic Reflections, and our Junior Agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Right now, it is just shirts and stickers around our logo, but we will try and come up with some other fun stuff for our fans. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. And big news. We have another interview for our next episode, and it is a big one. Now, you might be asking... How can we get any bigger than our interview with June Brinkman and our interview with Louise Simonson? Well, to answer that question, how about if we interviewed both of them? (coughs) I know, right? Be here in two weeks as we talk to these wonderful ladies about their newest Power Pack adventure, Grow Up.
Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a screaming child in Portland, Oregon, and two sleeping cats in Virginia. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internets, it's a series of tubes. You can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick present, all one word. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. My wife, Mary, and our daughters, Jenny and Elaine. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Constance. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. It's a fur piece. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> we call, in our table, we call it a tubal. <laughs> a tubal. Fuck. <laughs> if I, I don't will, like I it, try. I just cut it out. I will try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rick steals words all the time. I steal lots of words. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, um, since... Now you understand what I have to work with. Um, are you free every other Wednesday? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to have a backup plan in case he does something else like this and kills himself. <laughs> I was playing with a chainsaw. And, now and, I'm I, known, and I sneeze. Now I'm known as Peggy. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Find a way and I will have yeah. you like a butterfly, a I'm wild butterfly. butterfly. I will collect, collect you and, and capture you. you. Tim, take it. You're my obsession. <laughs> You're my obsession. <laughs> you, you want me to be, to make you sleep with me. You're my obsession. And this is why I've got two hours of stuff that I need to take care of later on. <laughs> All right. So, two pages in, and we have a gun a gun with a kid in his hand, shaking it at other guns. A gun, gun with a kid safety. in his hand. <laughs> kid. A kid kids safety at school. Kids, kids there was a kid. What are you doing? <laughs> there was a ki- <laughs> there was a kidding at a gun school today. Rock. So who is the hobgoblin? That I know his name. I know his name. It's written right there. <laughs> so who it's is written right there? So who is Ned? <laughs> who is the hobgoblin? The, the who's he wishes? Who is the who's he wishes? Okay. Rock. Me chicken. Ha! Huh. Every time you open your mouth, you make a huge squawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the family, Tim. <laughs> Welcome see, to the family. You, you, did, you find a voice and you stick with it. That's I. I just that's what I came. <laughs> I, I, that's what I came. I have. I can do something. I can do something different. But that's what I came up with for Johnny. I just had to. I just had to go Edward G. all the way. I'm just Edward sorry. G. Robinson. You yes. came up with Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> yeah. I'm a chicken. See, that's you're right. a chicken. See. Yeah. I try to steal good stuff. <laughs> then why are you taking it from Jeff? Oh, uh, <laughs> rock. Um, a hog goblin. Hog goblin. Say okay. hog goblin. Yeah, hob hog. Hob goblin. Hob hob goblin. Goblin. Hob goblin. The hob goblin. Rock. You you change me different. I don't like change. I know. I'm making change. More I don't like change. Come on, man. This is okay. Come on. Come on. Change. It weighs down my pocket. You, your Edward G. Robinson is turning into the penguin. It is good. You know that. Yeah, that, man. Cape Crusader. Wah. <laughs> <laughs>
Brock. Yay! <laughs> there you go. That's how we do a podcast. We <laughs> cough and sputter a lot, and we go on tangents, and we misspell. We miss. Yeah, we miss uh, read words and. <laughs> wow, that's a uh, that's pretty frightening.